Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, feel it, bring it together. That enthusiasm, that joy is for one reason and one reason only. Your Shed Adamas is on fire, Shed Heads. And as I welcome you to this week's edition of Outside the Sheds, I have to say that maybe Nathan Cleary and I might be just the two as hottest things going right now in the world of rugby league and all things considered. I had a great weekend, uh, and I think my picks showed that, didn't they? Wouldn't you say? Did you did you guys notice? I hope I hope you double down on these this week, because your shed Adamas went six for seven. Six for seven. And if the Raiders would remember that they're still the Raiders, I would have gone seven for seven. But. I guess you can't have somebody be something they're not. I and, and I think all of us can say right now, do any of us know who the Canberra Raiders are right now? And if you look how great that team was just last season, two seasons ago, you know, they were easily a top four side. And... Both times, you really could have made a case that they were probably going to go to the final or had a really strong chance to go to the final. And this year's just been strange. Like, it's it's strange watching a Canberra game and not seeing the the, the white helmet of Jared Coker not being out there. It's just, it's just, it's just a different feel. It's a different feel. And, and I think when you have a machine that's running like it was, you know, they have, they have the horn going and... And the fans are all doing the Iceland, I mean, the Viking clap. You just kind of look and go, this is an unstoppable juggernaut. And and I think this really points out something that we've talked about before. And I'm going to go and, and continue to talk about right now. You can never just pencil yourself into next year's our year. You just can't do it. And even though on paper things look like uh, we're going to be fine, next season's our year. Next season's our year. It doesn't happen. It happens very rarely in sport that you get a do-over, a makeup, as you can say, I guess. And I think that's another reason why the, the Penrith Panthers have been so incredible this season is after the, the the heartbreak that the boys from the foot of the Blue Mountains felt, they haven't missed a beat this year. The energy stayed strong. The belief has stayed strong. And it's it does not happen often in sports. And I don't care how much Tigers fans still would love to run Ivan Cleary through a wood chopper. I know that's violent, but I'm you know what I'm saying. And they sure gave it to him when the Tigers somehow beat the, the, the Burton-led Penrith Panthers in the victory, one of their few this season. They gave it to him. And he took it. He took it. But deep down, did he, he took it because he knew it didn't mean anything. He, didn't, he knew it didn't mean anything because he knew as soon as he got the big five back, they were going to continue to roll. That's that's enough. That was my good kickoff to what we're going to go into this week. But let's go over these scores really quick. Man, it started off on Thursday night, and and I hate to say this, but uh, forty six to nothing, Rabbitohs over the Broncos, and it wasn't even that close. I know I've said that before, using that that great analogy at, at, at another time, but it was so bad that heads have begun to roll up in Brisbane, and we're going to talk about that as we do a full, full recap over this last weekend. Sharks 26, Cowboys 24, Roosters 12, Panthers 38. Like I said, the big five is back, uh, and you know what that means for the rest of the competition. 
Knights 10, Warriors 6, the return of, Na of, of, of Mitchell Pierce. Dragons 22, Raiders 20. Again, we talked about that in the intro a little bit. Uh, the yo-yo season continues down at the nation's capital. Storm 66, Tigers 16. So I hope somewhere in your betting pool you put uh, Storm by 50 because you might get paid. Eels 36, Bulldogs 10. And then, I'm not doing it right off the bat. I can't break into song and dance this early. Sea Eagles 56, Titans 24. The Gold Coast Titans. Let's talk about the Gold Coast Titans for a second. The Gold Coast Titans were up 24-8 to at halftime. And somehow, Justin Holbrook's boys found a way to throw the nitrous into the tank of turbo... And Desi's boys, who then comes back and score 48 straight points. And the rest is history. Fascinating. Fascinating to think about. And I, and I can't really go into how fascinating that is. But I got to tell you, a great week. A great week of picks. And I know... We joke about this when we talk about the Shed Adamas and, and picks, but that was a magical week for picks that we had. And um, and I was, in, uh, you know, I, I couldn't believe it when it just kept coming. We just kept coming and kept coming with these things. And 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 then, unfortunately, the Raiders uh, really did me in. But the Big Five were back, and that's let's, that's, let's start there. The Big Five were back. And, you know, I, I said this the last couple of weeks when, when they weren't in the side, um, how important those guys are to the heartbeat of the Penrith Panthers. And let's put it this way. They have now become the heartbeat for the, new, for, the, uh, for the Blues. The New South Wales Blues, the Penrith Panthers, their spirit are these big five that are rotating around at the Panthers. And even though Sam Walker wasn't playing for the Chooks, it probably didn't matter. Brian Tao, Nathan Cleary, you know, they were on fire. And and they didn't miss a beat. It was kind of, it almost seemed like it was their warm-up to get them ready for State of Origin this coming week. But, you know, you don't you don't go and, and, and play against a Robbo side, a Trent Robinson side, and do what they did unless you just are sweating and bleeding out and exuding class. Because that's what that game was. It was straight class by Penrith. And like I said, you can try to be a hater for Penrith. I don't ever, I don't want to ever say that I was ever a hater for them. I just kind of wanted them to, how do I say this, pay their dues a little bit, right? Last season especially. But these guys have paid their dues. And I think they're to the point now where they've experienced heartache. You've got to embrace and really take in how great this side is. So the Panthers do what the Panthers do and give the sword to the Chookies. The Sharks castaways. Let's start talking about the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. They've made some decisions now with moving players on, telling players they're not going to be under contract next season. And those players that have been told that, Sean Johnson, um, Woodsy, they have now picked up this mantle where I guess you could say they're playing for their futures and they're playing futures and lives. But the Sharks are breaching now. They've won four in a row. Aaron Wood scored a try. Sean Johnson's boot has been on fire. From his kick, from his kicks, his grubbers, to he went four for four in conversions this week, Shedheads. I don't know if I've seen Sean Johnson kicking with this much confidence, maybe in his entire career. I would never say that was one of Sean Johnson's strengths. I think his explosion off the ball, uh, his open field running, um, definitely his strengths. But I never would have said that it was his kicking. 
But he is now managing games. He's managing the Sharks around the field. He's letting he's letting Moylan do a little bit of the uh, erratic running at times. And he showed it. He he put a right foot step down and accelerated, which I we haven't seen probably since last season. And I think that showed us that Sean Johnson is getting ready to really feel confident on that leg that he got injured uh, with that with that Achilles. And I think he's just going to try. He's letting it heal, making sure that it's healed. And I think if it comes close to finals time, because now the Sharkies are in the top eight, you, we could see a Sean Johnson like we've never seen before. With the kicking game, the management... And if we can put that at that athletic prowess in fifth gear all at the same time, this could be something. Some team is getting ready to stumble into Sean Johnson, and they're going to stumble into a Sean Johnson that we may never have seen before. Mitchell Pierce's return, everybody. And I know the the the, the fans up in the Hunter uh, have been just trying to shake themselves out of this delusion that they've had this this feeling of you know what the heck is going on that they've been experiencing and feeling uh because the Newcastle Knights really have just been kind of a ship lost at sea uh since Piercy went down and I think you saw what what his strength is and that is his steadying force with that team how he can calm them down he can get them moved around on the on the field, uh, kick, slow things down. And, you know, Mitchell Pierce even said that this time off from the game has enabled him to sit back, to take it in, and to watch, and to learn, and to be patient. And I think that that's going to really pay him some dividends here in, this, in the back end of his career. Because athletes nowadays aren't the athletes of 10, 15 years ago. I think sometimes 30 might just be the beginning of some of these guys starting to play some of their best ball. So if he can stay healthy, uh, I, I really think Mitchell Pierce has got some some great football in his future. And I really would love to see him put together a run right now for Newcastle just to prove that he hasn't lost anything and now he's a, a more experienced and smarter player. But it started with a victory this week. And, you know, there was definitely some motion there. They're playing against an old coach. And, um, you know, they got the victory. And that's all that matters. But it's so great to see uh, Mitchell Pierce back there. And and I think, he could, I think he could really form a really dangerous combination in the halves with Jake Clifford. And that's not even talking about if when Kalen Ponga finally comes back. And there's talk that he could be back um, after origin. So, you know, keep your heads up, Newcastle Knights fans, because... There could be some some really promising things coming that are right around the corner. Now, I know you guys were thinking that I was going to go right into my tirade against the Stripes, right? You thought for sure I was going to give the Tigers both barrels right off the gate. Well, don't think that the Shed Adamas hadn't thought about it, but we didn't, okay? Which you saw. But the Tigers have done almost the unthinkable by dropping to a new low, folks. Let's just admit that. 66 to 16, being down 40 to nothing at halftime. And this is it. You have to understand when Madge McGuire came to the Tigers, Madge is coming from the side of preaching defense, defense, defense. And if that's the guy's strength, and I've always said the Tigers have never been a defensive team, the Tigers have always been a flamboyant attacking squad. But the powers that be, the same powers that be that can't make any type of decision to keep some of the best talent in the game in the orange and black. That's what you get. You hire a guy to change the entire face of what your team has been based upon. The flair. And that's what you have now. You have a team with no identity. You have a team that has been showing no heart. You have a team that really doesn't, you really don't know if they're playing for their coach, not caring about their coach, playing for themselves, not caring if they want to play for themselves. It is a train wreck. It is a train wreck at the West Tigers right now. 
And you've heard me talk about this weeks past. I've always said the upper management of the Tigers, to an extent, to me, I don't know what the heck they're doing. You don't lose the type of players that the West Tigers have lost. The team they could be putting on the field right now if they would have kept those players. Heck, they got rid of Benji Marshall twice. And to me, this all goes back to Benji Marshall. It goes back to Benji Marshall for me because that, to me, was the beginning of the end or, how should I say, where we are at today is the handling of Benji Marshall when he left the Tigers originally. And yes, he's a New Zealand boy. Yes, Benji had dreams of going back and playing for the All Blacks. But if the Tigers would have really pushed forward and gone offensive to show Benji that he is a Tiger and that he's a major part of their team and they don't need him going anywhere. They need to have him dial in to help them get back to where they think they could be and that's winning some championships. But the moment they made that move and they started to say, we're going to push forward to the future, blah, 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 it just threw everything in disarray. Loyalty was thrown out the window, you know, that then becomes a saga a couple years later of, of Robbie Farah, and, you know, then all of a sudden we say that we start looking like we've got some flair, we got Tedesco, Nagama, Mitchell Moses, Luke Brooks, you look like you have a core of young guys that really enjoy playing together and are fun playing together, Aaron Woods, and then all of a sudden, one by one, each one of those guys disappears because the powers that be made the decision they had to do everything in their power to keep Luke Brooks. The guy they said was the next Joey Johns. And look where that got them. You do not, you do, let me see if I can get my words straight here. You don't mortgage and salvage your entire club for one guy. And if you want proof of that, the only thing you have to do is look at the West Tigers. They cannot even admit right now that they made a mistake with Luke Brooks. And when when Madge came into the sheds at halftime, didn't have much to say, didn't give him a spray, but just said, you guys figure this out yourself. After a couple days of partying and having a good time, and I shouldn't say partying, but going away as a team to Noosa. And if you haven't been to Noosa, Wow. What a beautiful place. When, when Manchester United visits your country and that's where they want to stay, that shows you how, how special of a place Noosa is. But, and I got his, I was there for four days and I, wow, I, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. And as you know, since this podcast is what I do, I'm not at a loss for words often. I just am not. But, to come back from two days in Noosa, maybe it maybe it made them maybe it made them lose all their fire in their belly. I don't know. But Mad said, I can't do anything else. This you fix this. And they put together 16 points in the second half, but they also gave up 26. So they still lost the second half 26-14. I like I said, I, I've said this over and over and over again. Madge McGuire is not the answer with the Tigers. Luke Brooks is not the answer in the halves for the Tigers. And they have to look in the mirror and finally admit that. They have to do that. They just have to. If, if they're going to do anything, if they really want to take that step, they've got to make some huge, huge, huge statements, moves that are going to show that they don't accept this. And we're going to talk about a club here as we go from this round to talk about the 40-20 or going to our, our news in the 40-20 where you've seen one club has had enough and is not going to accept this anymore. But that's going to pull bring to an end this last round uh, that we just experienced together. Uh, and like I said, get ready, Shedheads, because you have some off time this coming weekend because the only game for this weekend is State of Origin. Saturday, Sunday early morning, Saturday late, late night, however you want to say it. So, let's go into the 40-20. Let's talk about some stories. Not a lot of big, big-time stories, but some major stories that have happened. Number one, the midseason roster shuffle has had some significant moving pieces this week. The New Zealand Warriors have really doubled down in the, their feeling 
that for RTSs, Roger Tuivasa-Shek last season, they want to make a major, major push to making the finals so RTS can play finals his last season in the NRL. And by doing this, they went off and played, got two key pieces from the Bulldogs and the Sharks. They pulled in Dalen Wateni Zalesniak from the Bulldogs and Chaya Townsend from the Sharks. And I'm still shocked that the Sharks haven't been playing Chad Townsend. I'm saying the last image the Sharks have of Chad Townsend now is slotting that that field goal late and and bringing his team over the top to beat their bitter rival, St. George of the Water Dragons. But then all of a sudden, Fitzgibbon comes in. He wants to see, guys, wants to see where the future can hold. We know Chetty Townsend's going up to North Queensland next year. He's going to be a cowboy. Um, but wow. I, I, I just never thought how the season started, how his last season ended, that Chad Townsend would be leaving town but not have a chance to play out his last season in his beloved black and blue. But enough about Cronulla right now because that's their decision. Letting him go, letting him be able to sign. Uh, think about now the Warriors, these two players that they can bring in. And, and they'll, they'll both be in the lineup after Origin. But you have to really you have to really give the Warriors you got to give them a shake. You got to say, "Hey, with the with the team they have now with these two key additions, they could really do something. They could at least, how should I say, play to get into the 8. We can say that for sure." But that was some major moves that the that the Warriors did. That was some major moves. Now, we go from the positive of guys getting a rebirth, a new life, to a major, major league negative. After the drubbing that South Sydney put on the Broncos uh, last Thursday night, well, let's just put it plain and simple. A major shakeup has begun up at the Brisbane Broncos. There's been rumor now that Kevy might be under pressure. I don't see that. I think Kevy gets his full two years. Um... But don't forget, that means that next season, if he doesn't make a change in the fortunes of the club, Kevy Walters is gone. I think we can all admit that. But because of that 46 to nothing drubbing at the hands of the, the Rabbitohs, recruitment chief Peter Nolan and head of performance Andrew Kroll have been terminated. Do not let the door hit you in the backside. Terminated. Gone. And then they did this. They went into the studios at Fox Footy. Knocked on the door of NRL 360. And said, Ben Eichen, come home. Come on home, Ben. And Ben Eichen said, all right, let's go. And that's it. That's game game set match. Ben Eichen is now gone from NRL 360. A really good show. And he's been hired as the head of football for the Brisbane Broncos. Now the funny thing is, on his last couple of days with NRL 360, Ben Eichen said that if he had a chance to go after one guy, who would he go after? And he, without blinking, without taking time to say, wow, it looks nice outside today. No. He said Kurt Capewell. That's who I would love. That's who I would circle. That's who I would go after. Kurt Capewell. That's who I would love to have and bring in. And lo and behold, what can a change do for a club? Because Kurt Capewell has verbally agreed on a three-year deal to join the Brisbane Broncos. Now, the only thing you can say is you've got to have belief in some of these. I'm saying Corey Oates can't get into the side uh, right now for the Brisbane Broncos, and they say he's lighting it up in the in the junior grades right now. He's lighting it up um, at training, but he can't get in. And I think some of the things that you've heard, some of the rumblings, is that Kevy has had some problems communicating with players. And this seems like one of those problems that he's having is this guy right here. Corey Oates. 
And I am a big Corey Oates fan. I enjoy watching Corey Oates play. Uh, and, I, and it's not just because he spells his name correctly, too. Um, but he can't get in. And I think that's frustrating for a lot of the players up there. Um, and then you see, you know, some of the handlings of guys being told that they're not wanted again. And here we are today. Three victories. So you have to hope, if you're a fan of Kevy, a fan of the Broncos, that Ben Eichen coming there, coming home, something he loves, something he cherishes, that he can make those changes and get the Brisbane Broncos playing like everyone expects the Brisbane Broncos to play. Now, over here in America, we don't ever want to talk about it. There's actually shows that will never say the word COVID, which is fascinating to me because it's like, okay, if we don't say it, maybe it won't exist. You know, if we don't teach about it, maybe slavery never existed. Well, I never understood that. So does that mean now if we don't want to celebrate 9-11 that two planes didn't go into the World Trade Center? Is that what we're supposed to do too? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how education is supposed to work now. I just thought you were supposed to talk about the truth and the past and let's make sure it doesn't happen again, right? Well, there is a country that has no problem using the word COVID and that is Australia. But unfortunately now, they're having to use the word COVID because there's been an outbreak in Bondi, which means now Sydney is back in the spotlight, as you can say, uh, about how they're going to battle and attack COVID. But the NRL has seen it. The NRL has a lot of their clubs based in Sydney. So they've put stage three protocols into place to keep their players safe. And as word broke, now that we have, we have three... Uh, Canterbury Bulldog players that are now in quarantine or how should I say self-isolation because they were in a they were in Bondi at a hotel lobby that sounds like but again here it comes here comes COVID and hopefully hopefully because I do think Australia and New Zealand have attacked the virus the right way treating it almost like a brush fire let's stamp it out let's throw the blanket on it Let's choke it out and let's keep everybody safe. Well, that had some major repercussions. For one, the guys are, like I said, are back on a stage three protocol. But because this, this, I guess, hot spot, this epicenter is in Bondi, Thursday, next Thursday night's match between the Roosters and the Storm have, has now been moved to McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle as a home game in Newcastle for the Sydney Roosters. That is going to be unique to see. I'm thinking about because of the timing and when it's going down, that it's probably the game that's going to be on TV here in the States. Possibly. But how crazy, huh? You're going to have to move your base of operation two and a half, three hours up the road? I don't know. It's going to definitely be something to see. But I think the most important thing is, is for our friends and family members in Australia and down under to stay safe, uh, listen to the scientists, be smart, uh, and let's try. And, and I hope you guys can get through it. But but please don't ever stop addressing the problem or acting like it doesn't exist. Unlike my base of operation. So we go over the forty twenty that we just covered. So those are the major stories. But everyone knows the biggest story right now in the NRL, in rugby league, plain and simple, is Origin 2. Origin 2, which is going to be on a Sunday, this coming Sunday, and the things and the big stories that are going coming up leading into it. Harry Grant, out because of his hamstrings again. A reoccurrence of his injury. The Maroons were humiliated up in Townsville. And the big thing they have to do right now is the thing that every Maroons player talks about. And that is to defend their heart, defend their beloved fortress, Suncorp Stadium. And to have the performance of performances to beat those evil blues. And to do that, 
just after seven rounds in first grade, seven games, Reese Walsh has been named as the starting fullback for the Maroons. This move is going to have repercussions in the side. And so that moves Valentine Holmes now to the wing. Okay, all right, I can go with that. We know what Val has done on the wing. But, you know, there's going to be a lot riding on Reese Walsh right now. Is Did he come in too early? Is it not, you know, just the debate is raging. From what I've seen from Reese Walsh, he's a straight baller. He's a hell of a player. He's a young talent. He's one of those guys like Sam Walker, uh, that those youth guys that look like they, the game is already moving a little bit slow for him. But it's a huge place to put him in. It's a huge gamble. Paul Green gets this one wrong. He's not coming back as the Origins coach. So I am very interested to see. I've seen all of Reese Walsh's games. Uh, but I have not seen him play Origin. So I will be watching intently on Sunday. Now, that is what's going on in the Maroons camp. With the Blues, Jake Dravojevich has that hip injury, so he is out, and in is Junior Paulo in his place. Angus Crichton, Finucane, they've all been named in the 20-man squad. So, that is some Major League shaking up as well. Everyone knows that the Dravojevich brothers have been called the first family of origin right now. I'm saying... You've got Turbo, and you've got Jake. And there's another Trebojevich is now running around down at Manly, too. So there's another one. But if you look at everything and all the components, let's go over really quick the side, because I have the team list. And what we're going to do is I'm just going to go by the position, by the number, and I'm going to read one team and the other. First team I'll read is the Maroons. Second team is the Blues. So starting in the ones, we have Reese Walsh. And James Tedesco. At the two, Valentine Holmes, Brian Tao. At the three, Kurt Capewell, new signing for the Broncos, and Latrell Mitchell. At four, Dane Gagai and Tom Travojevich. At the five, Kyle Felt and Josh Adokar. At the six, Cameron Munster, Jerome Luai. Some people say that is the matchup to watch uh, because whoever dominates that probably wins the game. At the seven, Daly Cherry Evans and Nathan Cleary. In the forwards, at the eight, we have Kristen Welch and Daniel Safidi. The nine, Andrew McCullough, who's finally been called back after three years, and Damian Cook. At the 10, Josh Papale and Junior Paolo. At the 11, Jai Arrow and Cameron Murray. At the 12, Felice Cafusi and, Ter and Tarek Sims. And at the 13 is Tino Faimusale. Oh boy, I'm brutalizing that. Faimusale. Oh my gosh. And Isaiah Yao. Say Tino multiple times. In the interchange, at the 14, we've got Ben Hunt and Jack Whiten. At the 15, Bayoka, Faduakaya, and Angus Crichton. At the 16, David Fafita, Payne Haas. 17, Francis Malo and Liam Martin. In the reserves, Cohen Hess and Abby Curacao at the 18. And Ronaldo Mulatalo and Campbell Graham at the 19. And so far, only Dale Finucane has been named at the 20 for the Blues. So, as you can see, with those teams that have been named, it's, it's going to be a battle still. And when you have a team that's, I don't want to say somewhat close, but right there, like the Maroons... They are going to fight like hell at Suncorp Stadium. We are going to see a battle. We're going to see a throwdown of throwdowns. But I'm going to say this right now. I've got the Blues winning game two as well. And then going back for a swan song and a party for Origin 3. But... Just because I say that, don't think that I'm not beyond excited and can't wait to see this tussle that's getting ready to happen. So that brings to conclusion our NRL and our, and our state of origin aspect of the show. Let's talk a little AFL. 
Let's talk a little Aussie rules. And I told you my match of the week was Geelong and the Bulldogs. Wow. Those two teams take it to another level. And and when you we watch sport for we watch sport for that exhilaration, right? That pump, that that ability to try to imagine yourself in that place, right? To imagine yourself kicking that kick, to imagine yourself making that saving tackle, to imagine yourself putting that ball down on a big try. We just, that's what makes sports beautiful is just us being able to imagine our passion being able to be played out on the field with us maybe wearing that Guernsey or Jersey. Well, we got that. We got 80 minutes and then some of incredible footy between the Cats and the Bulldogs. It took Gary Ronan to seal the deal after the siren kicking his second goal of the game to give Geelong the victory 83-78. I it was it was incredible scenes. It's I I love watching Chris Scott up in the box. I, he's he's one of my favorite people to watch. He's one of my favorite coaches uh, because he has that emotion. He has that fire. He just he's good. Uh, even now with the flowing locks and the salt and pepper beard. Uh, Man, he was getting so pumped up, and he was even still wearing his mask. But just ah, uh, and and you gotta love playing for a guy like that. You gotta love playing for a guy like that. But I'm gonna tell you something. After watching this game, I feel very sure in my in my feeling that both of these teams have a real shot at raising the flag at the end of the season. Both of them have to feel extreme confidence. Both of them have to feel that it's their time. And yeah, you got the you, you still got the D's doing D's things right now. And you got a couple teams, Port Adelaide's right there. Um City Swans are right there to get into that top four. But I gotta tell you, th- these two teams look very, very dangerous, very, very tough. Um, and they've looked at most of the season. So that was a heck of a game. Hope you guys got to see it. If you didn't, go back, look at the highlights of that, or if you can find the full game, maybe on YouTube or whatever, take a look at it because both teams played incredible footy. Now, round 15 has already started. We already had a game, and as big as and as high as, as Geelong was just la- you know a few days ago with that victory over the Bulldogs, they've been, they've been brought back crashing like a satellite to earth. Because just last night, the Cats go down up at the Gaba to the Brisbane Lions. Those Brisbane Lions and Charlie Cameron smacked the Cats around. There was a big cat and there was a little cat. And that big cat had a mane and he pawed, smacked around the little cat by 44 points. 44 points. To me, yes, the Brisbane Broncos played a great game. But to me, also, the Geelong Cats had a hangover from that big victory against the Dogs. It's the only thing you can say. But that was a huge, huge, huge match because Brisbane now has leapfrogged the Cats into third on the table. That's how tight these matches are. That's how tight, tight excuse me, that race is for the top four right now. And that leads us up to the match of the round. Our match of the round is the Sydney Swans versus Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. Five and six going at it. Five and six right there. And I, you know, to me, you want to say it's a pick but to me, if you're playing an Adelaide Oval, you got to go with Port Adelaide. You got to go with Port Adelaide. But I think it's going to be an incredible match, and I can't wait to see it. Uh... I'm going to try to find it on my on my local box. But otherwise, it, it's getting to that point where I'm going to have to find by any means necessary. I'm calling back out to you, AFL. Contact me. Let me know. Like I said, everybody would love a free membership. Especially when we're, we're talking such positive things about the incredible game that is Aussie Rules and the AFL. Now, let's go to our guns. Man, it was tough because... 
you had some real blowouts. So you had a lot of guys that really showed out. You had a lot of guys that really paid up above and beyond what they, quote unquote, you thought they were able to do. But you had some that were just cream. All right, here it comes. Turbo's back, back again. Tommy Turbo is my number one gun for the week. Three tries, 174 running meters, two line breaks, three line break assists, three try assists, six tackle breaks, and three tackles made. Turbo doing turbo things. And now you're starting to hear it, Shedheads. You're starting to hear Benji Marshall said it earlier in the week. He feels that now the best fullback in the game is Tom Trebojevic. And he said he hates saying it. He hates saying it because a lot of people love Teddy. A lot of people think Teddy's still the man. But Benji just said it. This guy can just do so many things. And he's only getting better. So, Tom Travoyevich, my number one gun. Number two, Brian Tao. Two tries, 220 running meters, two line breaks, seven tackle breaks. Typical Brian Tao doing Brian Tao things. And that's a good kick me, start up, let's go to get him going for origin, which he will be there in spades. And my number three, Mitchell Pierce, one try, six for six on conversions, 83 running meters, one line break assist, one try assist, four tackle breaks, 13 tackles, and 472 kicking meters. That's a sound game for Mitchell. That's a sound game for Mitchell. And again, a game that was very tough going into halftime. The dogs were there. Canterbury was there playing good footy. But the thing that put a smile on Brad Arthur's face, the way his team responded. And the way that his team rose the occasion and ran over the top of the Bulldogs and was all said and done. And my number three, like I just said, Mitchell Moses. And, I, you know, you got to love Mitch. I love his passion. I love the footage from last week uh, or, or two weeks ago when he, he was getting into, into it with Gutho, yelling at Gutho. You know, that's to me what I want in a player. I think the opposite, you look at, you see Mitchell, Mitchell, you, you see Mitchell Moses barking orders, yelling, and then you have Luke Brooks, the guy that they chose over Mitchell Moses. You can't even see him say anything in the sheds when your team's down 40 to nothing. And you wonder why both programs are heading in, the, in a different direction. Now, outside the bubble, wow, sheds, there's so much going on in sports right now. There's so much going on in sports. You've got Ben Simmons... And the 76ers dropping the ball at home, losing three of their home matches in the seven-game series to the Atlanta Hawks. Don't forget the same Atlanta Hawks that Jershed Adamas said back at the beginning of the season that was going to do some really incredible things this year. That same Atlanta Hawks? Yeah. Yeah. They won game one last night. And are three games away, three victories away from sending Giannis home and taking the Atlanta Hawks to the NBA Final. That's one thing. Me, you know me. I love the Frozen Pond. I'm an NHL guy. I love hockey. And right now, we've got a game that's already in the seventh game. Or how should I say that? Excuse me. A seventh game was set up after a victory last night. And we have a game tonight in a matter of hours where the Vegas Golden Knights have to travel up to Montreal to pay Les Habitants and the Montreal Canadiens. Huge game. Because don't forget, the last team that won the Stanley Cup from Canada was the Montreal Canadiens, led by Captain Kirk Muller. That was the last team to win the Cup. From Canada. Not just from Montreal, from Canada. And then you have the VGK. You have the Vegas Golden Knights. A team that I picked to win the Stanley Cup. A team that a lot of people picked to win the Stanley Cup. 
a team that I think easily from top to bottom is a better, stronger team than Le Habitant. But just because you have a better team on paper doesn't mean heart means that you're going to be that team. And right now, playing with a little less, but guys who all know their role, the Montreal Canadiens are one game away from making it to the Stanley Cup Final. So, if you're a Golden Knights fan, you just have to hope your team starts strong tonight, skates with purpose, Ryan Reeves is back in the lineup. If you can get that, good. Panda is back in the net. Flurry's back. He's gone again. So we're going to have the Panda between the pipes. And it's a must-win game. So we get to see what Vegas is really made of tonight. Because the pressure is going to be on them. The pressure will be on them. And then last night with the Islanders. Somehow the Islanders came back from being down 2-0 to win 3-2 with Anthony Bouvier getting the goal. You know, and I I still say Tampa Bay is going to win this series. It's going to take seven, but I still have Tampa winning it and Tampa going to the Stanley Cup final. But... You leave that door cracked. You leave that window just a little bit unlocked. And that old, stodgy Islanders team with Lou Lamarillo leading them could find them a way in, you know, it just, it's, it's just crazy. The Islanders are right there. The Islanders are right there. But I still, like I said, I'm still going with the Bolts. And I think Vegas gets it done tonight. I think the Golden Knights win to force a Game 7 back in Las Vegas. Now, the other thing that's just totally taken over my life right now is the thing I told you about a little bit last week, Shedheads, and that's the College Baseball World Series. And I I told you my love for the College World Series. I told you that uh, this is the first year I have not been in the College World Series, not counting COVID. Um but we have got a game tonight that is going to be a very good game, I think. The Texas Longhorns versus the Virginia Cavalier. That game starts in about 24 minutes from Omaha. The winner of that goes on to play the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Omadogs, as they call themselves. It's going to be good. It's going to be a good, good game. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. We've already got the, 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 the first game for tomorrow set up. And that is the Vanderbilt Commodores, North Carolina State Wolfpack. Somehow the Vandy boys came from behind last night, scored two in the bottom of the ninth inning, and snatched victory away and out of the arms of defeat. But... You're going to try to tell me right now that ESPN is not going, oh my gosh, I've got the Vandy boys against North Carolina State, the team that knocked out the number one team of the tournament from the beginning of the tournament all the way through to Super Regionals. Well, they outed them. The whole state of Mississippi is up in Omaha right now to, to root on their dogs. Hopefully they left their cowbells back in Mississippi. You know, so that game is going... I'm saying those teams are incredible. But if you get Texas in there, and you get a Texas versus Mississippi State and a Vanderbilt, the Vandy boys, against NC State in back-to-back games, a 1-6 tussle tomorrow, hey, Virginia, nothing against you guys. Nothing against you, who's. But the money is the Texas Longhorns making it to take on Mississippi State after some of the down horn actions by their pitcher uh, on their first ma- after their first meeting. It could be some real fireworks. And let's not even talk about Vanderbilt feeling like they're a team of destiny now after them scoring two runs in the bottom of the ninth inning, uh, the last one being scored off of a wild pitch. But it is fun. It feels real. 
It feels alive, non-tainted to an extent, I guess you could say. Um, I, I I can't stress to you guys enough how much I love the College World Series. I've watched every single game. Um, just like I'm usually at every single game, I watched every game from my comfortable chair. But make sure you check it out. Uh, the first, like I said, the Texas Virginia is tonight at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. And then tomorrow, the early game at 1, uh, Vanderbilt versus North Carolina State. And then tomorrow night, the winner of tonight's game between North Texas and Virginia, excuse me, against Mississippi State. So, you have your weekend set up, Shedheads. You, you, it's set. You've got NBA Finals. You've got the College World Series. You've got State of Origin. You've got the match of the round. Uh, like I said, uh, Port Adelaide versus Sydney at Adelaide Oval. It is action-packed. I'm taking the Blues. So they're my picks this week. We'll be back with more picks next week. Because we'll be back with a full round. But, get excited, Shedheads. This is going to be a good weekend. This is going to be a fun, fun weekend. I can't wait to enjoy it. But, until that time, I'm going to bring this episode of Outside the Sheds to a close. Uh, please stay safe out there. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. I am your Shed Adamus, your host, your master of ceremony, Corey Jackson. Until next week, Shedheads. See ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.